What would you do with a brain if you had one? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim Howard, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 775, Nasdaq Futures up 20 as we try and make back yesterday's losses, which were paired considerably, paired considerably by the close. We were down. 45.50 in the S&P as we finished down like 20-something, so, uh, I mean, 20-little-something, like 21-22, so came back probably two-thirds of the way, almost half to two-thirds of the way yesterday, so uh, kind of relentless all day long to the upside, so I think that was a that was a good thing. Do we have Kevin? You have Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Yeah, you saying good morning to Greg? You sure Greg went to sleep? I think he did. <laughs> Got up oh, nice Greg and early just sleeps. for you guys. Greg, Greg is a—he he can be the new cups in it all night long, right? And see who's what, where. I can see you doing cups, Colin, Greg. That's fine. That's uh, fine. I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. But he cupped sure. everyone out to what, like ten o'clock? Yeah. And he closed the last place at two something, and would, they might have seen Greg Pappas seen over at you know the pump room, but the pump room isn't even there anymore, is it? Well, I guess it's still there, but there's no table one. I don't think. I don't think there's a table one, but no, the. Uh, a lot of guys are unclear on the table one. I, I was there a few times, but I never saw anybody in table one. Pump room is, uh, I think, being reiterated or re reincarnated. Yeah, it was so always there, though, with the, t- with the telephone on it, right? Yeah. It was like the tables in the uh, Kevin back before there were cell phones. Uh, if you were a big-time trader and you hung out in the bar during the day, if you were a big shot, you got your table had a phone on it. So okay. That, so, you know, yeah, that's well, that's true. There, yeah, they bring the phone to your table and plug it in. Yeah, yeah, you're good to go, and uh, so you could call the floor because yeah. God knows you're one of. Now away. they have these newfangled cell phone things. Yeah, these newfangled things. But uh, life was different, you know, back then. I mean, all the guys that, I mean, some of the most uh, uh, lucrative deals people would literally fight over was they have like the the ten phone uh, kiosks you want to call them at. Uh, like the Rock Island Station or something like that, or Union Station. I mean, those things were always being used. And, the uh, phone booths, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, matter of fact, there was a, a place that, that Greg would have loved. Well, and, and so, yeah, if we were to, I, I don't know what the age group cutoff is, there, there'll there be a certain level of people who remember pay phones. Yeah. And then there will be an even older group that remembers 
phone booths. Yes, phone booths, which was even more. There was a uh, <laughs> a place when I first went out to. I, mean, I probably told this story. When I first went out to New York, when I was on the board and doing that stuff, maybe in you know, '92. Well, you know, we were out. And we had dinner somewhere, so somebody goes, "Hey, let's go over to the the telephone club or something." So down somewhere in the in Manhattan, in the middle, and I. Everybody else knew where they, you know, you ever go with people where they all know where they're going, so you just go with them, so you never really know when you went. It's like the difference between, you know, driving to somebody's house and knowing the directions because you got there and, and sitting in the passenger seat, just BSing, you know, type of thing. Anyway, so we go to this club called the Telephone Club. God, it was at a riot. They had probably three, two or three really cool old wooden bright red telephones, like the ones you saw, like, in the Sting and so forth, uh-huh. the jobs. And they had maybe... Five or six smoking hot ladies in smoking hot costumes, just going in and out making phone calls. Like they were like they're making phone calls. Now maybe they even were. Who knows? Girls, girls make phone calls all the time. They they would go in there for like five. Yeah, they're pretty coordinated. Yeah. Then and they then they come out and two minutes later one of the other hot ones would go in there. This this went on all night long. This was this was the show. And it wasn't porn or anything like that. Nobody was naked, but just, just six or seven very attractive girls taking turns going in their phone booths. That was the sh- that was the show. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was innovative. It was kind of cool, actually. But yeah, Okay. Well, I, I, I have some uh, a, a little challenge for Greg. He can take his pick as to uh, um, what he wants, but he's got to find some bumper music for the day. Um, so you can either go with Whitney Houston, because it's Whitney Houston's birthday. Oh, um, everybody loves the, Whitney Houston. The yeah. totally remarkable singer, uh, gone too soon. Yep. Um, so uh, so you can go that way. Or um, I, I saw Steve Miller last night, and it was an outstanding show. So you could do uh, Steve Miller bumper music. Where did you see him? At the uh, Michiana Events Center in Shipshawana. Shipshawana? Where, where is Shipshawana is... Uh, um, it's 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 a little east of Middlebury. How's that work for oh, you? Yes. It's it's in Amish country. Um, the uh, arena holds fifty five hundred, and it was sold out. Oh, how old is Steve um, Moore? One hundred and four. Darn near. Now here's here's the cool thing. One, he really really looks good. If you would have said if you would have said how old is this guy, I I would have said sixty five at the most. Really? Um, yeah, he he looks fantastic. He's had a little work done. He, Maybe a little work done. In great shape. I'm, I don't know. Um, you know, the, nothing obvious, but uh, you know, sometimes it's very obvious. But he, you know, physically in great shape. Uh, in fact, you know, you you had to be in great shape um, because, or he had to, because he did a full show. Yeah. He pl- his he still can play guitar. He, you know, still an outstanding guitarist. Uh, he still sounds good. The voice still sounds good, and the the show itself was as long as any show you're going to see. The man's got stamina, and he's 79 years old. Well, what did uh? So contrast that with you know <laughs> the president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's some people age a hell of a lot better. Some... Yeah, no kid. Well, I also think that people. But, but I, as I was said, I went I went with one of one of our uh, one of our loyal listeners, Joe. Um, so he he and I were at the at the show, and uh, as I said to him, well, we're talking about the extremes here, though. If you were to, you know, both of uh, at seventy nine, we have both the president and the. Um, uh, um, and Steve Miller on uh, many standard deviations uh, uh, away from the mean. How's that? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, people, the people in the entertainment industry, uh, I don't know about him, but I don't know 
know about uh, so many people in the Rolling Stones. Have, have the good genes to begin with. You know, and they're and they're well. It, it, yeah, take uh, Keith Richards. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. They must to, have something. They must have something. <laughs> but they also, most of the time, I mean, they 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 get to take care of themselves. I mean, t- I mean, Tony Bennett's life. You know, the guy made it to ninety something, ninety six. Yeah, I'm going to say on a day until the bitter end. But know. on a day to day basis, he probably had a lot more relaxing and a lot more stuff. My than apologies. That was a. <laughs> work, was working a bump, on the bumper a, music, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> that was a phantom click. Phantom Click. Who, somebody over the show is not over. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Phantom <laughs> Click. Okay, so we have the name for the show when you load it up. Uh, phantom for, Click. Oh uh, no, I'm going to get uh, rid of that for for the day. We're going to call it <laughs> Phantom Click. Phantom Click. Well, Kevin, as a, I have a question. I have a whole bunch of questions for you today. But here's one. Just it kind of popped up here on uh, CNBC. There's a big article here by Jessica Dickler, which, and we've read. Uh, oh, I don't want to. I don't. That would be an unfortunate last name, wouldn't I know, it? Yes, it would. Um, but anyway, that's that's who she is. Uh, credit card debt tops one trillion for the first time. A huge test for cardholders is coming, uh, and it says the resumption of student loan payments will be a huge test for many cardholders. Now, I'm curious as I you know look at these numbers. It says collectively Americans now own more than one trillion in credit cards. Total cre- credit card debt rose nearly five percent in the second quarter to a new high of one point zero three trillion. Recorded new ro- reported household debt from the Federal Reserve in New York. However, zip over to usdebtclock.org, and they have, uh, in 2023, which is us, credit card debt is $1.3 trillion already. Um, so how, how is there a $300 billion difference? And they, they define theirs as, uh, uh, let me see, I'm sure it's just, uh, credit card debt is unsecured consumer debt owed to credit card companies and banks. So... Are they adding the, the credit card companies to the banks, or what are they doing here? Why is there, do you have any idea what the difference couldn't, would be? Couldn't begin to guess um, where you get that kind of a discrepancy. But the, inter- the interesting part is, uh, well, well, a lot of stuff could be interesting depending on what you're looking at. I got $1.332 trillion with these guys today. All right, so if you drop back to 2020, that number was uh, 1.027, so up... 300 and 300 plus trillion dollars, so vers- virtually 32, 33 percent, which is almost exactly the number you come out with on just about everything, including the money supply, up around 35 percent. So I, I've got inflation just about everywhere, and any big item you can track, up about 35 percent in the last three years. You've got credit card debt up 35 percent, you got money supply up there. I mean, it all sorts to match up. The interest, but more interesting is if you drop back another four years. Now we're 1.02 there. Now let's go back to 2016. The number there was was 987. So we really almost didn't go up at all in that four years. And now in this three and a half years, call it, it's up 33 percent. The Cowboys uh, Cowboys value went up uh, 20 percent in last the last year. Also, 9.2 billion. Cowboys. Uh, yep, the Cowboy value according to Sportco. Oh, well, but I'm saying everything's sort of in that that same sort of deal. But I remember when they when they pulled. Speaking of Steve Miller, the Space Cowboy. Uh, yep. Well, they pulled. Uh, Sorry, had to throw that in there. Well, somewhere in here, <laughs> they 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 pulled. I remember Mandy and I were doing the show. Yeah, it was. There's there's consumer debt here, and then there's credit card debt. Okay, well, I think in in somewhere between 2016 and 2020, they pulled out. Uh, I'm going to 
let's look at 2000. Actually, it must have been after uh, 2020 because they, they separated student loan debt from uh, consumer debt somewhere along the line there. And I remember the student loan debt and it went, went right through the uh, credit card debt like right right away because right now uh, student loan debt is uh, is 1.8. It, it passed credit card debt not more than like two and a half three years ago, Kevin. They were both like they were both like a trillion, and student loan debt ran up, and the credit card debt ran, started to run up afterward. But they were they were like even three years ago, and now student loans one eight and credit cards one three. I don't I don't know how uh, people are going to pay this with the prices up the way they are. I mean, have they have uh, a- Yeah, we this is uh, we will see the defaults, and uh, again when you when you look at bank earnings you should be uh, anybody anybody should be as they evaluate them should be looking at how much money has been uh, set put into the loan loss reserve compared to how much money it has been putting into the loan loss reserve because uh, if if these you know if banks credit card issuers of any kind are not reserving a whole lot more money they're going to be in a world of hurt um, in uh, you know, at, at some point down the road. Well, what, uh, as a guy, and I don't know if you're in this part of the bank, but I had a big discussion with my buddy McPee one night, Federal Reserve guy, he's no longer there, so I could talk about him, uh, talking about um, credit card debt. And I was, you know, of course, taking the, the part of the consumer, and uh, and he goes, he says, well, you know, I said, what is the story with these interest rates? You know, the Fed's running the other stuff down to zero, and these people, you, I, uh, these people, Everybody knows paying. I guess if you if you really got a good one, you're at nine or ten percent, or a credit card if you get a one out of a credit union or someplace. But by and large, they're eighteen to twenty four, somewhere in there, maybe more. If you ever miss a payment, they could be thirty. And uh, and he's like, well, they don't. So do you realize how much they write off on this stuff? And I said, well, just because they give credit to people that maybe shouldn't have it, why should that come out of the behind of the people who? should have it. I mean, why, why does somebody get to average that? I mean, if that happens, it's not competitive at all, Kevin, in my mind. Well, I, again, just, uh, you know, the, the uh, flip side of it is reserve. Be prudent. It's not just how much you write off. It is do you have that money set aside to be able to write it off? It's, and, and you know, when they, when they talk, you know, when a bank comes out and says, I'm talking about my record earnings or anything like that, I, I, you know, I, look, I, I'm as, as much a free market person as anyone, but I have said this before I know on the show, um, and I've said it in private, um, banks are subsidized. They're a federally subsidized business. Um, and in many cases, state subsidized too. So if uh, you know if you're going to operate that like that, if you're going to operate um, and benefit from the taxpayer dime, from the average your dime and my dime, um, then uh, you should have to do uh, some of the bidding of uh, the taxpayers too. And in, in my world, that means that they're uh, you know I am fine with putting a cap on. Uh, credit card rates and uh, and a very reasonable cap on re- uh, credit card rates to make them something that just don't bury people like they do. Well, I'm on, on, a, on an accounting question, and maybe maybe you don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to fire it at you anyway. Uh, one day, <clears throat> there I was, because I'll get back to my discussion with Mr. McPee in a minute, but one day I was I was at the Sam's Club, and of course I buy Sam's Club membership for everybody at PTI, so 
uh, I buy some stuff for PTI and it was like 200 and some bucks. It was, you know, I don't know, somebody had a chair. I don't know what, what we got, but uh, it was paper and stuff. Anyway, a bunch of stuff. So like 250 bucks. And they go, uh, would you want to leave that on your Sam's credit card? Which I didn't even really know I had. But evidently my Sam's uh, <coughs> thingy to get into place was also a credit card. So I go, all right, <coughs> leave it on there. Why not? Which was dumb on my part. So, of course, I never get the bill here. The first month of the building, I don't know if they sent it, didn't send it. So next month I get the bill and they go, like, you didn't pay your month last month. It was like... So what your rate go to, 174 Well, I think the late payment fee was like 35 bucks, And then they charged me interest, so that was like 25%, which, you know, <clears throat> it's 2% for the month, so it's 5 bucks. So essentially it was 40 some dollars for not paying it in one month. So that's like 20% for the month. And I'm going, God, the, 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 the Al Capone didn't do that. Yeah, uh, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> so I immediately cancel the thing, and I said, I'm never, you know, never using this card again. Well, what do you mean, sir? We'll, like, remove the monthly. No, no, I'm out. And uh, so I, my question to McP was, because, yeah, these guys are writing this stuff all the time, off all the time. So, all right, what if, what if PTI had, had disappeared and I, they never found me again, and I, never, and I never paid that bill, and they had to write it off? Now, my question is, are they writing off the 245 that I spent Already writing off the three hundred hours that was the bill. The other fifty-five hours is just is just out of the air. I mean, that's that's out of nowhere. Oh, for, yeah. So from the Sam's Club point of view, they're taking a double hit because they're they're the credit card issuer. I th- I suspect they're the credit card issuer. <laughs> they may be doing a pass through from uh, a bank or some other financial organization. Um, but assuming that they're the credit card issue, issuer for the moment, um, then they would take the hit on the merchandise that you bought, and they didn't get paid for that, and then they would take the hit on the credit card. Okay, so I understand that, that that's a, a, a double hit and that that's expensive for them. Well, you know what? You kind of chose a business to be in. That, well, uh, I, I, know, I guess the question, when I asked McP, I said, all right, Jan, the, the, uh, somebody has goes out and buys furniture, they pay, th- pay three grand for furniture, and uh, so the bank's got this thing, and they pay for a few months. And all of a sudden, somebody has a medical emergency, some some type of. Now these guys are broke; they declare bankruptcy. Now, th- now the the bank is eagerly charging non-payment charges. You know, whatever thirty-five, forty bucks a month, whatever that is, and they're going to start hitting them up with thirty percent interest. So two years later, this three thousand dollar bill is now you know five or something like that. Yeah, and that's what's going to go into bankruptcy for discharging. Yeah, so, so but, but I mean, whatever, whatever the place, slice they get is going to be uh, uh, out of the five, not the three, most likely. But the per, but the, the the merchant is still only out three thousand dollars worth of furniture. The other stuff is Correct. just you might might as well charge them twenty. What's the difference? I mean, it's it's, it's all, I mean, lawyer like, it's like if people miss their their uh, mortgage payment in two months, it's like there's like lawyers' fees in there. Okay, show me the lawyer. Show me the hours worked. There aren't any, or, or maybe there, maybe there's a half hour for a guy to sign a piece of paper. I mean, I'm saying we, when you start adding the charges on there, I guess I'm trying to get a, a feel for are we talking gross or net here in some of this stuff. Though. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if it makes all that much difference, but I'm always curious about this stuff. So we have a three hundred million dollar billion dollar difference between our debt clock and this lady's article. Either way, it's kind of a lot of dough, uh, Kevin. And I uh, I don't know. Uh, if, and I still I mean some of these numbers. We've got how many people that are unemployed? You know, three and a half percent supposedly. Kevin, the amount of homeless people down here it goes up by a day. I mean, are they even counted? I don't think they are. Are they? Well, the homeless people, and then uh, yeah, probably not. And then how many other people 
Oh, I forgot to tell to you country. guys. Go ahead. Uh, some cracked out guy on Monday walked right in front of my car. Uh, I was, you know, going on on uh, Wells here, you know, five <laughs> five something in the morning. Walked right out in front of the car in the middle of traffic, stopped me, and was like yelling at me and telling me to call the cops. <laughs> I looked around. <laughs> I was like, nothing's going on here, and he was insistent that I call the cops. I'm like, nope, sorry, peace out. Kept going. <laughs> that was that was a. Uh, you never know surprise. what's liable to happen in the naked city. He he was he was on something. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, how, how many million stories are we up to for the naked city? Yeah, yeah, it was in the morning. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to even matter what time is. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a it's it's crazy stuff. I, uh, Kevin, what do you think of? I know we're shifting around here. But it's always all kind of on the same thing as we're trying to find out the the truth and money here. Uh, if there is such a thing as truth and money. But well, I got I got a good tr- truth and money for you too. So you go ahead. What did you make make of where as we got into this our our foot foot the ball discussion, and I started digging into the the money at the the, the budget and the expenses and stuff at UCLA. I was I was stunned at how much how much cash those people have. It, I mean, but the tuition at at, at sixty seven grand a year is only like ten percent of their revenue. That's that's un- unbelievable. When you think about it, let me let me dig this up here. I got it. I actually have the. I was going through it. Every state school has to has to like. This is where you get a lot of your information, right? From these uh, uh, from the, the these the state schools have to pretty much account for everything. Right. Yeah. They they they're public records. And I'm I'm looking at here the uh, the PDF file for UCLA's uh, annual report, and uh, it's you know we we. Get the, the number, the number, numbers here, and it's uh, they, I think they, the the total is what a hundred and, well, I'll get the total here. The total revenue letter from the chancellor, blah blah blah. Let's get down here to the, the right number. There we go. Uh, the employee count, full time employees, thirty eight thousand. Isn't that something? Because we it is it is uh, utterly amazing. Now I I do. You know, I I I realize I I know this from, uh, uh, from teaching classes at Notre Dame. So I sort of I, I start to get a feel for the breadth of the operation, um, and uh, so so there are things that we probably would never consider um, that are part of it. Um, Notre Dame has a, uh, a, a an achieve your degree program for their employees, so they they pay for it, and they they we do the associates part of it, and uh, um, and the uh, um, and and we actually go over to their campus and teach, so that their people can just go after work, um, and the as part of that program, you start to see well, there's there's full time people who have uh, you know are part of parking. Because they're always—it's not just athletics events; they have events. Period. They have all kinds of events, um, so that becomes part of what they do. Um, they have, um, uh, you know, obviously all the food service people, all of the—they—they uh, they do a lot of their own, um, you know, maintenance. Um, you know, they're, they're, I mean, as you start to think of running, you know, what goes into running a campus, there are lots of people, legitimately, lots of people who are there. So then, you you know, what you really need to do is then start asking questions about, okay, what are the roles of all these people and how many of them are in administrative positions and how much of that is administrative bloat? 
And I think, you know, the, one of the easiest places to go find that is to go start looking in the athletics department because if you have ever seen any especially major uh, um, athletics programs uh, uh, organization chart, it is like this maze, this mess of people and the number of people carrying, uh, you know, associate athletic director, assistant athletic director, all of those titles are huge. Well, if they have that where it's obvious, then they have it where it's not obvious too. And so, uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm not, I'm not totally surprised by the large number you give me for UCLA, but by the same token, I am sure that there is a lot of administrative Well, it's why when, when people start talking about this, uh, uh, and we've only got a minute before break, but start talking about this, this shifting um, conferences for more TV, money, and for whatever. If I'm on the UCLA board, we'll go through some of these numbers after the break, because they are interesting. Says, at least I think they are, uh, Mr. Numbers guy. Uh, as you go through these numbers, you look at it and you say, okay, if I'm going to make, pick a number, you guys know more about this than me, if my TV contract in the Big Ten is going to be more than, it's 50 million more or 40 million more or something than, than uh, it is in the Pac-12. Say it is. Say it's 20. Whatever the number is. It's, it's a big number in, the, okay. in this case, so keep all right, going. All right, so then, but now I, I go forward. Now, immediately, if I'm sitting there in a board seat, I'm going, all right, no, wait a minute. Our, our expenses to, to transport our other teams have to go up somewhat dramatically. Uh, I mean, if, if the swim team is going to go to... Uh, you know, Ohio State for a match. I mean, what are we going to do with it? But let's say it's, it's going to go up some. I mean, it, it costs you to go to Washington or Oregon, too. I mean, I get it. It's there or Arizona. So it, am I just going to see my athletic department become just another amoeba and eat up to 25 or 30 million or 50, uh, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a, like a cockroach? Uh, wh- wh- where am I getting ahead on this? I mean, if it's just all going to be buried in the, in the, now the athletic department, the revenue is going to go from, you know, two hundred million to two fifty. But oh, by the way, their expenses are going to go from one ninety to two forty. Where am I getting? What am I other than, other than paying a bunch of knuckleheads? What am I doing, and, and paying airline fares? I mean, so I mean, it's not just a gross number; it's a net number. And I wonder who's. That's what I'm trying to get to, Kevin. I'm, I'm having trouble, to be honest with you. That's be a few well, and, I'm you, and it's not going. You know, it, it's not going to be easy. You can probably pull it together if you want to spend all day for several days doing it. But I, I, don't, I have no idea what the travel expenses are going to increase now. And now, does a Big Ten coach make more than a Pac-10 coach? I mean, do I need, instead of the 400... Yeah, you're going to have to yeah. give everybody a raise. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, to, you know, right, 400 well, people... Well, here, here, here's the question, though, and, and this one is actually kind of easy for all of these lower-level teams. Like, if, if you're going to fly commercial, I don't know how they bill you for, commer- you know, for, uh, um, for a... Uh, um, not, not commercial, for the, for the reserved... Um, uh, charter, you know, I don't, I don't know if they bill you by distance. If they bill, they probably bill you by the hours. Hours in the plane uh, that you're that you're going to use it, and maybe there's a fuel charge and so on. So that when you fly from uh, UCLA to Rutgers, uh, you're going completely across country, and that costs more. But for commercial airlines, that's pretty easy. You can, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure they uh, they get some bulk deals and they've got some stuff that they've set up. But by and large, in commercial, you can pretty much go and say, well, what's it cost to fly from, you know, from Los Angeles to uh, Pullman, Washington, and what's it cost to fly from Los Angeles to Champaign um, or to Chicago and then bus down there or whatever it is they're going to do. Uh, SP Futures uh-huh. Up 8 and the Futures Up 25 will continue this right after the break. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Fine, good, fine. Well, 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 welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. SP Futures up 10 now, NASDAQ Futures up 33. Another 10 or 15 points, and we can get rid of all of the nasty sell off yesterday. We'll see if we get there. Individual stocks got Apple up a buck 18. Uh, not much else going on in the Dow here. Goldman Sachs up 94 cents. No downgrades today, so I guess it's a good day. Uh, we had downgrades every last couple days, which have caused some issues. Nikkei up down 172.5%. Hang Seng up 61. 0.3%, but still buried in the low 19,000s, 19,246. Shanghai down 16.5%. Um, we've got over in Europe, the uh, got a big, big rally here. Um, let's see, European markets climb as Italy waters down bank windfall tax. I don't know what the connection is there, but uh, DAX up 152, that's a full 1%. FTSE up 58.8%. CAC around up 80, 1.1%. So these guys are catching up to our, our rally in the afternoon yesterday, I think. Maybe it's more than that. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 158, S&P down 19, NASDAQ down 110. Like I said, we're pretty much right. Uh, well, NASDAQ hasn't caught, caught that much, but the uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, I think right now we're almost almost there. Uh, bonds down up one basis point, back over four, 4.04. Put up two basis points, 2.46. Japan down four to 0.57. Uh, that's interesting. Oil is uh, up 93 cents, back way up over 80. 
83.85. They were 79 something something, I think, on Friday. Uh, Brent up 81 cents, 86.98. Natural gas up 3 cents, 2.80. We've got gold down 230, 19.57. Silver down 5 cents, 22.75. Uh, we got long old silver yesterday, a little more down here. It's bounced from this area before. Of course, maybe we'll jinx it. I don't know. Maybe it'll bounce back up. It'll be a good trade. Copper up one cent, 378. We got Bitcoin down 83, 29,804, but back up near 30,000. The U.S. dollar, which has caused a lot of the movement yesterday by its rising, um, the, the euro is uh, it's actually downhill against the euro and uphill against the pound, almost flat, let's call it. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 637 this morning here in Chicago. Partly cloudy. Feels like 67 right now. High of 84 today. Sunny today in Phoenix also. Feels like 88 right now. Probably a high of 106 later. Traffic, we got Kennedy um, Montrose to the interchange is 21 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 37 minutes. Ike, Wolf to the interchange, 21 minutes. The Ryan, the locals, 95th to the interchange is 16 minutes. Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 23 minutes, and the Bishop Ford from I-80 to the uh, in, to the interchange via the Ryan is 27 minutes. Sports, we got Cubs beating the Braves 3-2 at City Field. Mets. Mets, yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> White hate, Sox they, losing they to the Mets. If you're, yeah. a, if you're a fan of the 69 team, you always want the Mets to lose no matter what. <laughs> yeah, Cubs beat the Mets in uh, at City. White Sox lost to the Yankees pretty badly. That's 1-7 to seven on the south side. And the Diamondbacks lost to the Chargers. Close one at home. Uh, four to five. So I got Chief back to so you. So you were able to get tickets to the Yankee Sox game for nine bucks. That was Monday. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I actually was looking for a Friday night because the Brewers are playing the Sox, and you get a real nice seat. I mean, real nice seat for like twenty-two bucks, twenty-five. Yeah, they first or upper deck <laughs> right behind home plate. So those are those would be nice. We were we were level one along the first baseline. Really? Yeah. Just. So happened, uh, one of the girls at the restaurant grabbed the deal uh, a month ago or a month and a half ago. We all packed up, uh, packed up some stuff for the tailgate before and had some fun in the parking lot. Then went in, and it was good. Cool. We stayed for the whole game. Stayed for the whole game. Beat up on the Yankees. Good. Well, that's always good beating yeah. up on the Yankees as well. Yeah. yeah, that could be holy. Yeah. So, uh, so Kevin, I don't want to go too much further on this because I have. I have all kinds of questions regarding. We start talking about, uh, you know, you know. <laughs> I just have a feeling where this is going. Hey, you know, we need uh, charter planes for our for our teams. Then the president's going to say, "Well, if they're riding on charter trains, so am I." <laughs> you know, um, I'm just. Well, saying, and and, and uh, that's probably already. Yeah, probably already in, in most of these cases. So. But you can also say, "All right, if, let's be t- intelligent about this. If we're t- if we're sending." The girls' volleyball team and the girls' swimming team uh, and the men's wrestling team and God knows what else we have to play Illinois this year, let's do it all on the same weekend so we can get one jet. And then somebody's going to say, the head of the ladies' swimming team is going to say, no, no reason. Nobody's joining the Mile High Club on my watch or, or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you, you, I, I suppose you, you do have to worry about those things. A bunch of a bunch of young, very fit, you yeah. know, gen- generally attractive people uh, um, traveling together. So, yeah, you, 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 I suppose you could put them in separate motels when they get there. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, you you do have to. Uh, you, you've got all kinds of things to worry about. I, I 
would expect them to uh, you know have divisions and to regionalize even if they don't do that for their major sports which they'll probably have to do as well um, but uh, but for their uh, uh, for their lower level sports they definitely need to regionalize that and uh, and then the championships you know they'll worry about crossing over it uh, at, at playoff time so what I just real quick I'll go through this because we've been beating it up too much uh, the revenue when did the total revenue was 10.5 billion dollars well, that's a number that's that's pretty good. I mean, when did when did the city of Chicago make it to ten billion? I, I like twenty years you, ago. All the all of this research grant stuff and and patents and things like that. Those are all those are the big money makers. I I, I should fish out um, if you remember the uh, Ohio State's. Uh, um, uh, he was the pre- he was Ohio State's president at the time. I don't know where Gordon Gee went, but uh, but he he sort of got busted talking about some of some of this stuff. Um, it, at what he thought was a private meeting, but someone was running the cell phone recorder, so it all came out. And uh, not a meeting, more you know, like a, a meeting with a bunch of uh, uh, wealthy alumni. And uh, so he he was talking about that. He's talking about how much money, you know, how, how their the profile, the consortium, how you know uh, all of that plays into and he says you know we we spend a lot of money on this but it brings us a whole lot of revenue and you know that in in the academic world you talk about publishing and such but it is also all about you know getting all that grant money that's where all the prestige is is getting in there and then uh you know putting your name on uh you know important research of various kinds and and uh, you know, I I think at least to the administrators, the students. Well, a lot of students do care because uh, they like being part of it. But the average student is not part of it. The no, average student doesn't really care. The average student just wants the degree. The average student's there getting getting taught by a, a student aide or something, and he just wants. Oh, here I uh, primary sources of operating revenue. Now we're talking about ten billion dollars, ten five. Student tuition and fees. Guess how much. Uh, I think you said ten percent, didn't you? Nine hundred seventy-five million, so not even ten percent. Which they're paying sixty-seven grand. Well, how many people actually pay it? I don't know. I mean, in states, probably twenty. But their their tuition, their their published tuition to you and me, you and Mises' kids or grandkids is going to be sixty-seven grand. All right, grants, grants and contracts, one point nine, one point three. Sorry, state educational appropriations, six ninety-six. Then there's something here called sales and services, six point five billion. What in God's name are sales and services in a university? Uh, that's well, I, okay. That I, I again, I would not have any feeling for the proportions or uh, any feel for and, and basically any any of it other than to say that could range anywhere from licensed material um, to you know licensed you know clothing and things like that. To um, the uh, the services that they sell to businesses, you know there there are a lot of businesses out there and and they hire me for this stuff too, um, who are paying and it's not it's not for credit courses. Um, I don't think your your numbers are reaching six billion. My, my number doesn't definitely doesn't reach that, um, but uh, you know I, I just spent the summer with uh, fifteen uh, for for eight weeks with fifteen. Um, employees of a local corporation 
uh, doing a management training, and it's not a for-credit management training. They're, uh, you know, it, it's 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 their company's training. Well, they've got on operating expenditures, salaries and wages are four point five billion, benefits two point three. That ratio is a little high to me. Uh, benefits are pretty damn good. It looks like uh, supplies and materials one point four. I, I love it when you read a, a financial statement and you get more questions when you come off it than you have answers on the thing. Yeah, they really don't answer a lot of questions for you. Where, 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 where's Bob? If he was still with us, he'd, he'd probably offer to go through all the footnotes and maybe make head or tail out of this thing. But right now, I've, I've, I've learned less than before I looked at it, so that, that's where I am well, with this. That'll teach you. That'll, that'll teach you to ask questions, pal. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the truth. What was the, what was the movie that said that? That'll teach you or something like that. Anyway... Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I'm just trying to figure out when when everybody says well, you got to move for the money. I'm just trying to figure some sort of the simple question was what percentage of the money if it's 50 million more in TV revenue, what does that come out to in terms of revenue at at at, U, at UCLA? And it's well, we know what's what's 50 goes into well, 50 million is like not even one percent. It's 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 a half of one percent, right? One one percent is 105 million. So it's half of one percent. So you, yeah. So that, yeah. that's small, big, big in terms of the athletics department. So uh, to the extent that they uh, require the athletics department to be on its own and to pay for itself, uh, it becomes a good deal. But the board of regents isn't going to sign off on this unless they think that there is some kind of a, a, a positive revenue hit, or a positive prestige hit, or both. And and they, you know, somebody's going to say. Under no circumstances do your guys' budget go up because you know the budget's going up. I mean, they they will absorb. I'm I'm going to say that uh, there were ten years ago, maybe more than that, Kevin. What you could only pay an assistant coach like sixty thousand or something. There was a time when they were assistant coaches' salaries were, and everybody was bitching totally. Were like Lou Holtz made so much dough and he had the shoe contract and you couldn't share the shoe contract with your assistant coaches because they didn't want a, a bidding war among assistant coaches. Some some baloney but when the revenue goes up i'm going to say that the the, the 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 costs go right up to meet the revenue that you know you have the you have the best booze on these private jets these guys are taking for recruiting trips and stuff i mean it, it that it's it always your worry in a not-for-profit model it's a, it's a worry it frankly in a, in a for-profit model too but in a not-for-profit model gee we have to use up all of this money well but it, it comes down to one of the things we one of the things we talk about all the time on the show, and I always when I go into some really stupid conversation like we're talking about with UCLA, uh, it always comes back to something that I think is very basic. That when you talk about the Notre Dame in our era, uh, you know, tuition was thirty two hundred, room and board was twelve hundred. I remember that my senior year because I got the room and board free because I was an RA. All right, so the room and board was uh, we lived in you know our dorm was by most people's accounts was a bleep hole. We loved it, you know, but it was four guys in three rooms or, or, or it was a triple. It wasn't even that big for three guys or maybe you got a single. I had a single when I was an RA, uh, which was really tiny. And you walked down the hall to the can and, uh, and oh, by the way, you walked across the way to the dining hall and the food was certainly enough to keep you alive. It actually wasn't bad as schools go. It was probably pretty decent, okay? Well, now, you know, Audrey shows up and she goes, no way am I paying like eight grand for room and board. My daughter's sleeping on an army cot, which is basically what it was, right? And uh, and she's not using the, the the blankets. Literally, Greg were from the Navy during the forties. Wool blankets. I'll, I'll attest to how long they last. 
And she goes, and she's not walking down. Sign me up for one of those. I actually had one for a while yeah. that I ordered. It was, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't expensive, but it, it lasted. And well, they're, they're wool. Was, they're, they're, yeah, they're the best. Super warm. And uh, so, what I'm saying is, then you get to the point where you go to the dining hall now. Well, it looks like, let's put it this way, it makes it puts series to shame. There's there's the there's the Mexican carousel. There's the dessert carousel. There's a salad carousel. I mean, it, it's it's like eating at a, at a five star or four star restaurant. Ah, so what you're trying to say, Chief? No, but what I, my no, what I, my point is <laughs> yeah. is now we'll go downstairs to sell but, but now, but now you you look at it and you say, my God, you know, room and board at Northwestern is sixteen grand. I mean, what what are you doing? Well, the fact is, when you start charging people sixteen grand, you know, people have some common sense, like Audrey, walk in and say, well, you're not feeding them mystery meat and living in the dorm room for sixteen grand. What are you doing? So all of a sudden, that becomes where you're living, what you're eating. It's the, the same thing that they do with like sororities and Instagram. They, I, I, they I get, get it. something to put on the. I know but what I'm saying is now there's no way you're going back from sixteen to one because the the normal you got to have an apartment. The, the apartment, the two people each have a can. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like it's like living in a high rise for God's sake instead of living in Morrissey Hall. So my point is now to go to college, you need this experience that now actually probably does cost. University eight or nine grand a year. You're not going back to the point where what does education really cost? What does it cost to put somebody in a classroom, somebody somebody's fanny in the seat, and teach them stuff that they should maybe learn for both to work with or for education for life? We're way beyond that. And I don't know how you go back, Kevin, unless somebody opens up a you know a Saint Exams or something and says, okay, we're we're just doing a school. It's all we're doing, and we're going to have you know five professors for every. Two administrative administrative people, and the other way around. You can't go back to Notre Dame and say, "Wait a minute, this, you got to drop this tuition back down to twenty grand." And they're going to wait a minute. Our expenses are now fifty. Okay, well they, they probably are, but do they need to be? You know, I guess. Well, you you do have the uh, for-profit schools, and in many cases, um, you know, there's some where. Uh, you know, the reputation has been deservedly bad, um, but there are many cases where the for-profit schools have sprung up and they're doing a really, really nice job of educating people and they are they are the threat, which is why you get, uh, you know, everybody wants to crack down on them and, uh, and make it really, really difficult for them to operate uh, because um, they, they are a threat to the traditional educational system. Um, if I were to have time, if I could clone for a little while, if I was going to write a book, the word you just mentioned uh, is, I think, right now it's like, uh, like the word on the uh, on the south side, the uh, the word you're not supposed to say on TV, the S H I T word, can be used in about 50 different ways by the right people, including you know anybody from the from the south side. It can be a verb, it can be an adjective, it can be everything. I think the word profit is rivaling that. I could write a book with, with the t- the title would be profit with like four question marks after it. Do you think University of Illinois or Notre Dame are really a non-profit? What does profit even mean? Do you, it, well, it's it, it's a not-for-profit, but the catch is um, it, it's seen as a in in the not-for-profit model. It is seen as a license to spend any money you can get your hands on. And you know that the you know in a business world, successful businesses have much more discipline than that to what they do on the cost side, mm-hmm. um, because they have to compete on the uh, on the pricing side. I would say that uh, our friend Eric would. I don't know if he'd agree with me, but he'd probably disagree with you. He 
he would say that in virtually every level of business, the management class has, has captured the profit and taken it away from the shareholders. But do you think the people at Commonwealth Edison? Yeah, in large corporation world, Tom, I think that's true. But I, I don't know that that's true in uh, in the world of most businesses. Well, okay, but now we're talking about different levels. Now, if you're talking about the people you deal with, you're you're, you're dealing with people like at PTI Securities. I mean, Dan and I own the place. We have some other people. Okay, so the profit equals whatever is left plus whatever we take, right? We, we know that. All right, but in some of the places you deal with, it's probably still family-owned, person-owned. We all know in there what the what the profit is. If, or, if the, or, it's, yeah. or even uh, you know, I said I've been you know working for this one company. Uh, I've done you know a couple of things for them. They are a for-profit, and I've done that with some financial institutions as well. Um, but they're not. It's it's we're not talking about Fortune 1000 world or anything like that. It's a whole different world when you get to you know the way most people live. Okay, but I guess what I'm, I'm and, trying and, to and but but when you but but Tom, you deal in the investments world and the investments ge- are are really geared around that. Even though some of these companies that I'm talking about are publicly traded, it you know it uh, it, it's different. And I've worked for uh, publicly traded companies that are small and kind of fly under the radar um you know nasdaq type of companies and it's it's the same thing um you know how they attract their investors and all that never was my worry but um but it is not the same dealing with um you know from my past a, a pinnacle bank corp or um uh, or St. Francis Bank Corp, or you know any of those, it is not nearly the same as uh, dealing with JPM or somebody like that. Uh, so when you talk about the management well, that's class, exactly my point. it's a different, it's a different world um, when uh, when you when you live in that smaller company I'm gonna, world. I'm gonna, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's it's there is a function of size. Obviously, a smaller firm like like PTI, every knows whatever. It's not profit; it's cash flow. You know whether whether somebody takes oh, yeah, a bonus absolutely. or whatever, but but I'm saying at some levels, you see it's not just the size of the place. I'm going to say some even smaller bank, regional, not even it's regional. The magic that's in it. But but some of the some of the people on the board, depending on depending on depending, I, I don't even know what it depends on, are going to say, God, we made we we have two million dollars more at the end of the year, revenue over expenses, whatever you want to call it, and somebody's going to say. Our management did a great job. We're going to pay a million and a half in bonuses, and we're going to pay five hundred thousand to to the uh, uh, shareholders. Okay, some other place is going to say, "Joe did a great job. Here's ten thousand bucks." And by the way, a million nine ninety is going to the shareholders. So, in my mind, all of that's quote profit. Now, what you how you count it? I mean, if if all of a sudden everybody at UCLA gets a raise because of this thing, they're just went the profit. There just aren't any shareholders, right? Right. But I don't know how you even count that. I mean, I mean, do you think people at Commonwealth Edison, if you walked in there, and that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When, so when we talk about the the business model, the profit model of the corporation, it it is so easy for that to happen. Well, when you know, and you know, in in my case though, I'm you know, I'm used to being able to go, 
you know, as senior management to show up at the shareholders meeting and actually talk to substantial shareholders and, right. and have conversations with them and they want to know what's going on and and they're real interested in that. You have some accountability. So I, I agree with you that the management class is problematic. I just think they're problematic in, uh, uh, but they're not pro- necessarily problematic in every company. I, I, I don't disagree. Put it that I, way. I, but the the idea that the, the the shareholder through the board controls these places, Kevin, I got a bridge for you. If you, I mean, I just bought every. I mean, when, you think Elon Musk, who probably picks every single board member, you think anybody voted no when he when he ca- cashed out all his stock? To buy Twitter, and then like the next month, they gave him as many stock options as he just, as he just. Had yeah, a and, and I've seen I've yeah. seen the same thing at, at a at a smaller level uh, too. I've seen that where the you know the board is the uh, um, CEO's cronies, and uh, um, and so you know they're pretty much lying in their own pockets. Even so, you still have the shareholder issues. Um, but they, yeah, but you know, so so yeah. they may declare themselves some very hefty salaries and some nice bonuses, and and options and all of that kind of stuff. But at some point, they are, you know, there is an accountability level I, that you're not used to seeing um, in in the uh, largest corporations. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I bet we could look. We probably have, uh, we probably have some some listeners that actually study all this stuff. I'll bet we could name 50 companies that have had a. A huge rise in their share prices, alleged profits for ten years, never once paid a dividend, and have had the shareholder the shares go down to God knows where. Shareholder never made a dime on the thing from day one, and all there's fifty people that are are uh, wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice. We see that all over the place. And it, it, you know, to me, actually, where I got this, you ever read a book uh, up the organization? Uber just was like profitable. Just yeah. Like this <laughs> this yeah. past year. Uh, how much? You know, what do you, What do you suppose the total net <laughs> Thir- that the top people? Thirty-one are billion in, I think, or something, and then a uh, whole lot in stock options yeah. for everybody. So I mean, it's I mean, they're, they're the once you get to the point where your your chairman picks the board, in my mind, you've you've lost it, Kevin. I mean, it, the guy who wrote up the organization was the chairman of Avis when they used to try harder with an independent company. Then they became part. Did they get bought by? They got bought by ITT, didn't they? I don't know who bought him, but it was one you know big conglomerate, and the guy just the guy quit after like six months, and he was saying, once you get to the point, is the 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 board's job is to hire and fire the the, the president, that's their job, and he says, it, largely yes, and he, and he goes if if the president picks the board, you've 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 totally lost track of anything the board might do. He says the board a board member should be picked and should be introduced to the president basically. It well, and, and it is interesting. When's the last time you heard about a, a shareholder revolt? I, uh, you know, uh, or or any of it. I mean, it, you know that that was regular news once upon a time. Well, there was a uh, when everybody's looking for diversity on the boards, uh, and I, I I got no problem with that, by the way. Uh, you know, if because if you're going to have a, a huge diversified uh, people, you're selling stuff to, it might might not be a bad idea to have a few people on the board that are diverse. But anyway, there was everybody wanted the same people. So there was the lady. I think she was a black lady. She was a. I think she might have been the head of NYU or one of the one of the colleges in New York. She was on ten, twelve boards or something. Then there was. Yeah, this, they don't do that anymore. No, but then there was this African American couple. She had two of them. They were on like twenty five. I'm going to say those three people never once voted against the pay increase. Ever, because you you if, that, if you ever do that once, you'll never get on another board. I think. 
I don't know yeah, if it's being a little cynical, but yeah, all right, Kevin, we got a got a dash here to Russell. Talk to you on uh, on Friday. SP futures up eleven. Nasdaq futures up forty. Are you uh, you you're on break, right? For the rest of this week, yeah. And you you're starting again next week. I wonder if Eric's on break. I should call him see if he is. Uh, Russell, I think is. Anywho. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. So we start school in, in a couple of weeks, but we all you know faculty's always got to be back uh, um, earlier than that. Should I ask Russell if he's if his pay is in the six billion dollars of sales and services, uh, I I am pretty sure that it's uh, the lion's share of it. They, it used to be three billion into the higher Russell. And I yeah, yeah it's a, you think he'd share the wealth? And, and he's well worth it. Yes. <laughs> oh damn it! Yes. S and P futures up twelve. S and P's up forty. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Lady that is missed, I think, big time. Whitney, miss her. I mean, her stuff was terrific, wasn't it? And it's her birthday. Yep, and it's her birthday. What birthday would it be? Even Kevin didn't mention it, did he? Thirty-seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, Louis Armstrong went about what, one hundred twenty-two yesterday or the day before. That was always a controversial uh, topic. I think he claimed, or someone claimed, July fourth. But oh, all right. You know, well, whatever. A lot of people back then in some areas of the country you didn't know when their birthday was. It right. Was just a, exactly. A lot of them went off, uh, well, I don't think in that area, but a lot of them went off. Uh, Russell, how are you? I'm fine. Didn't a lot of people I, I, go I, off I, the uh, day, in way back, you went off the, sometimes you got off the day you got baptized, right? Because you got baptized right away in those days. I, now I, uh, you know, we just kind of, my, my birthday's coming up pretty soon. It was just, you know, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're back to school, so Russell must have had a birthday. Oh, all right. Well, that's cool. That's a up thirteen. That's like that. forty-seven. So, <laughs> is, do you get do you get like the birth birthday month like most of the females around me? Oh goodness gracious, no. Yeah, me neither. I uh, no it, it, no. It's it's like the the contrast between me and my spouse and our approach to birthdays is hilarious. Um, what are you hers is hers is at the extreme you just uh, just yeah. asked me about, and and mine is like, eh. In fact. 
I ha- I wish I were in Indiana right now because I've got a big like uh, oversized mason jar with a piece of paper in it that says nothing, and that's what my daughters gave me for my birthday oh, yeah, last yeah. year. Well, what is what's the difference in, in, in gift buying between Father's Day and Mother's Day? For God's sake! Oh, it's oh yeah yeah yeah. Do you, you and I? And we may be the only people listening right now that know what, uh, what I'm getting ready to, to say, but Mother's Day used to be the number one day for collect calls in the United States. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Which, back in the day, uh, somebody had to pay for that long-distance call, and usually you wanted mom and dad to do it. Well, dad paid for it, and mom loved it. You know, it was just, oh, yeah. yeah. It was there a, you go. Great, so, great. It's, a, it's, a win, it's a win-win-lose. Greg, do you even remember collect calls? <laughs> of course. Do you remember person-to-person calls? What's person-to-person? Where if you called somebody's home and you knew you were, you were calling, it was a big-time thing. You, if I called, like if you're still living at home, I'm calling you as a person-to-person. It was a lot more money. It's a person-to-person call to Greg Pappas, and if your mom says he's not home, well, then the call didn't count. Oh. Yeah, that, that way you d- nobody paid a dime. Yeah. It was like, it was like a, it, it, it's like an option. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, you know a, a zero cost option, but the exercise price is much higher than what the what the market was. We had a goofball in the dorm that used to used to uh, call airports around the world and have himself paged as a, like a person to person page. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> of course, it never cost me. But that. that really that really is. Uh, you know, so like the Moscow- hey, there's a payphone over here. Want to see something funny? Yeah, the uh, oh, wow. can you imagine like you know in Moscow Airport, paging Russell Rhodes, paging Russell Rhodes, and it's a person-to-person call, and if he didn't show up, it didn't cost you anything. But he had his name announced at the Moscow Airport like ten times. That's fantastic. Yeah. So well, remember, yeah. Uh, you ever see? Uh, okay, I'm just going back. The movie uh, Gentleman Jim, uh, the story of Jim Corbett, the boxer. No, I know who he is, but I've not seen the he movie. He was played by Errol Flynn back when Errol Flynn was was a real actor. No. And uh, he joined this this club. His real high-end men's club is to train in, in San Francisco. First thing he did was have the the guy, they used to call him the boy, but he, you know the guy running around, uh, paging Mr. Corbett, paging Mr. Corbett. So everybody in the club knew that there was a Mr. Corbett there and who he was. <laughs> I can see Greg Sounds doing like something. Like a Trump thing to do. I can actually. see yeah. me. <laughs> Greg likes to lurk in the shadows, so I don't think he'd be doing <laughs> something like that. Uh, we've been going through, and I don't want to do this anymore. We've gone through all the financing here. Of uh, well, we started talking about the move to the Big Ten by these teams. Then, of course, caused me to dig into some of the numbers. Then the numbers became more interesting. Then we just talked about the numbers. I suppose we should shove that aside, uh, Russell. Uh, this week we've had two moves in the market, and we're coming back today against the one yesterday of these downgrades. And the the question, you know, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm still in in the business is my incredible curiosity when stuff becomes pretty fairly obvious. To, to virtually anybody, you know, in 1980, it was one of these days these interest rates got to come down, or when they get down to <laughs> zero, it was one of these days they're going to have to go up. Now the question is when, and we were, you know, the short to TLT for two years and it never moved, you know, so we were like two years early. Finally, we made some money on it, my clients, but I'd say that the I would have waited two years, we'd have done a hell of a lot better. I mean, I was way early. Uh, why? How does how does Fitch watch this, this deficit? That Greg, uh, uh, you know, timed it. What was you forty-three seconds for a million dollars? That Greg timed, and you see the thing is marching up, and we see the expenditures to the uh, revenue to the federal government down this year over last. We see, and what everybody says is a fantastic year. Give me another damn near trillion-dollar deficit. 
What causes a Fitch on a Thursday or a Friday to say, I can't take it anymore and lob it out there? Now, rumors were that they had met with the administration beforehand, the administration trying to talk them out, all kinds of crap like that. But, but by and large, what would cause Russell Rhodes, the professor, the economist, to say, I just can't take it anymore? And I, you know, and I, today I'm, I'm downgrading these idiots. I mean, I. And I, why not? Why not on Wednesday or Friday? Why a Thursday? I guess is my question. You know, well, it's a horrible story, but there was a guy in Oak Lawn. He was like seventy-nine, and one day he shoots his wife, and calls. They've been married like sixty years. Calls the police. The guy goes, "Why did you shoot your wife?" He goes, "I just couldn't take it anymore." So you 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 think the Fetch analyst did that? I, you know, no, I think um, they they do regularly scheduled reviews of different entities. I. I, I I took the students to to one of the rating agencies over in the UK when I did the study abroad over there. Oh, that'd be cool. And um, you know they do they do a you know they they have a regular uh, review, and I mean this could I, I I think this probably just came as part of a regular review because the timing was so freaking weird, and then I heard you know I I heard snippets of the reasoning and and the one that, that just kind of made me pause. Was all the dysfunction around the the debt ceiling thing? You know, a while, you know, a few weeks ago. That's the that's the closest thing to a reason that I heard. That well, that was so, one of the reasons some reporter lobbed out there, and now it's being talked about as the reason. I don't think anybody has any clue if that was part of it or not. I I think there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, I I I, you know, I read an article where it just basically blamed the Republicans for every single thing. Well, yeah, uh, but I'm saying you know just just saying that. You know, this is that this was spurred by the debt ceiling stuff, and now the Republicans are going to be even more emboldened. Look at what's happening to our country because we're spending much more than we're taking in. Uh, how dare they talk like that? I was like, <laughs> you know, uh, if there, there was a lot of hypocrisy in the thing that I read. Well, I'm, um, I'm just, I mean, I'm looking at this number. I mean, you, you should, mm-hmm. Don't anybody do this. You see the thing spinning <laughs> and it gets you aggravated. All right, we're at 32,689. All right, and I'm Fitch, and I go, if it's 30, I go, well, the minute it gets to 31, I'm going to do it. Oh, I said I was going to do it at 31. Now let's do it at 32. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. at some point, why, why not 33? Why not 40? Why not 50? Why, did, why didn't they do it at 15? They needed I mean, some pu- publicity, Chief. Maybe. They just, they no, just wanted to yeah. be in the news. And then they will be followed by Moody's warning all these banks. I, you know, they, well, they, they cut ratings yesterday on, uh, on a bunch of small banks. And they, they warned State Street Bank. They warned Northern Trust. And a few others. So they're just getting mm-hmm. on to the banks might be in trouble train that, um, that sailed yeah. like three months ago. Well, I mean, it <laughs> sounds about right. They have, uh, yeah. well, they have issues with federal banks. And this, this is another bizarre thing, Russell. How, how, does the, how, does, how do the people on TV and, and, the, and the federal government blame the banks for buying the crap when they're the ones that sold it to them? I know, yeah. Well, you know, that. Whenever there's problems, there's the automatic. Everybody's pointing at everybody else. Well, I mean, if the, if, so the, that, if the Fed, drives, that, you know, well, the Fed drives interest rates down to half of one percent and one percent on the ten year. What one year? The ten year never got below one, did it? Or did it? I don't think I. I feel like it had a one handle. Yeah, it was. I know it was like one yeah. four. Greg, see if you can find that. What, where, where, where the ten year bottomed out at? I'm going to say, let's say one point five. Can we do TLT, or do you want to do uh, ten year futures? Or? Uh, do, see if you can find the TNX. See how far back that goes. That's All a right, ten-year. Sure. Uh, the, you know, it, so you buy this stuff, and then the Fed turns around and goes, "Oops, 
Remember the inflation that we said we didn't have at all? We do, and now we're not, instead of going back to like two and a half or someplace, we're going to five and a half. Mm-hmm. Knowing you just buried the hell out of the people you just sold the stuff to like last month. They're like, <laughs> right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that, that, that you, you, it's like you having a car and, and uh, me saying, you got to come up with more money for the loan on that car because the car is not worth what it, what it was six months ago. Joe, you're the one who sold me the car. Yeah, I know. No, <laughs> it's, you couldn't write, if you wrote that in a book, Russell, nobody would believe it. No, I mean, no, absolutely not. But I, I just, you know, I, I think maybe I really, I think that what they're looking, they're looking ahead to a few things. I really do think the rating agencies are looking ahead to a few things. And the thing that has me really, really worried um, is when, you know, the when everybody has to start paying their student loan back again, which I do think is going to happen in the next few, I think, you know, September, October, that's going to start happening to everybody. Um you know, like the average payment I heard is around eight hundred bucks or so, and that's pretty significant for a lot of people. Russell is is the the time, and that, I mean that's behavior changing. Was and he, that's the way. You know, if if I were if my job were rating the U.S. economy, um, I I would agree with the downgrade, but I would agree with the downgrade uh, for you know a couple of you know, because I think there's some. I think there's a global debt problem that's going to bleed over into us. And I think there's, you know, you think tax revenues have a problem now? Uh, what oh, happens yeah. when you've got a whole lot of consumers not, you know, TNX just writing a, a, a $1,000 check for their student loan as opposed to blowing it on BS? TNX got below 0.5 in March 2020. The 10-year got below 0.5? Wow. Yeah. In March 2020, it dipped below 0.5, I think, uh, and then into 2021 and 2022 you were bouncing around between 0.5 and and uh 1.5 uh so we were wrong russell got below one yeah yeah that's during the during the pandemic yeah i uh i just i don't i don't get where will be a question though you know more about the student loan stuff now they haven't had a pay and they it's been in abeyance for two and a half years now. Is the interest clock running, or is the interest clock stopping? No, the interest clock is not running. So right now, if I owed and twenty-five grand three years ago, I st- now I owe twenty-five grand. I don't owe twenty-five. Yeah, plus I haven't. Interest. I haven't had any. I, I I've got some loans um, from from my PhD, which I just you know which I just completed a couple of years ago. So I. Uh, because it was such a low interest loan, I'm like, well, I can do better with the money elsewhere. And goodness knows, I've really had a chance to do better with the money elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Because um, because I haven't even had to pay interest on it for. Like, and in fact, I was um, I was overpaying my student loan because I wanted to get it paid off. And the second they started grumbling about forgiving that debt, man, I started making the minimum payment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there's no yeah, right off the right, right off the bat. So, um, but you know, that's a that. You know, that's a, my, my student loan payments are, um, you know, will take a little chunk at the beginning of every month out of out of my paycheck, and you know, it'll be about ten percent of my paycheck. But uh, there are a lot of people that it's going to be twenty, twenty-five, thirty percent of their paycheck. And I, we, I was just talking to some other professors about the, about the youths today and their lack of foresight. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be kind of a shock to a bunch of them as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even even though they'll know it's coming, uh, it'll just be like, hold, hold on, I, I this this automatic debit. 
I, I, I haven't seen that in a while or ever. Um, if, um, what, what just happened? Yeah. Well, you're you're paying back your student loan once again. And what? and would you really want to be super bullish on consumer spending going into Christmas if that's happening? Well, no, and I don't, I'm not really bullish yeah. on consumer spending right now because of the mortgage stuff. But it just as, yeah, that uh, too. I, Higher without, interest rates, the student loan looking up anybody's, back, all that crap. Without looking up anybody's dress, I know student loans are very onerous in the sense that you can't normally discharge them in bankruptcy or in disability or really anything. But if 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 you're driving back to Indiana and we sure as hell don't want this to happen, if an asteroid hits you in the head in the car, is it, is it discharged or do they come after your estate? Even know? Do I? I'm sorry. I, if, I, if, you, uh, you faded in. No, I'm saying if 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 uh, I know you can't discharge him through bankruptcy and those kinds of things. It's very very onerous debt. Oh. but if you if you get whacked by an asteroid on your way back to Indianapolis, um, is, do they come after your estate or is, is, is you, you being gone? Okay. Is it gone? Uh, well, my my father co-signed on it. Oh, so don't go after him. Well, he died about four years ago. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, and, and I don't think they know who my wife is. So, because I know they're. I don't really know. I, I honestly, I don't know. Federal loans are discharged. Yeah, because I've yeah. read, I've read uh, issues where you know somebody's aunt co-signed. The dude was in an auto crash and is dead, and the aunt, they're going after the aunt. She's disabled, got like no dough, and they're going after her anyway. I mean, every, that was probably a mm-hmm. private loan. No, no. Well, these these are student loans are, are not dischargeable. Well, you can get you can get different types of so you can get a federal student loan you, and then you can get yeah, the federal know, ones supplementary are, loan. The, so. the federal ones are discharged. No, 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 no. Death. No, they're not because they they ended up having a what was the story when they first came out? Two doctors uh, went through medical school, ran up a huge till, and the second they got out before they started their practice, they declared bankruptcy. It became a big story nationwide, and Congress said we can't be doing this. And, and what was the name of the bill that came, they came up with? Russell had to do with uh, something, something. but it's 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 the most on, onerous debt you you have, without without question. I mean, it's it's worse than. Well, more we're not do. alone. It says that uh, according to CNBC in 2019, 73 percent of people don't know what happens to their student loans when they die. Yeah, well, and 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 I don't know what happens to them. Well, we're, we want you around anyway, so. Let's, let's, I don't let's let's get off the no the, Russell. The subject. federal loans are death discharges. Okay, they're death discharges. Yeah. Well, that's you have to submit proof that you're dead, or somebody <laughs> does. Normally known as a death certificate, <laughs> submit proof. Well, that's you know you got to do that for just about everything. But so Russell, mm-hmm. what uh, I was going through the UCLA numbers. These numbers, they, they just I don't know how if you want to match up the taxes this year with the revenue, who the hell are you going to tax? I mean, there's there's money around. With people that landed with the uh, some of the PPP numbers, and obviously the stock market's done tremendously well for a lot of people. But other than that, I mean, where where do they expect to get money out of people if they have to raise taxes again? Uh, well, you know, you, you've got a lot of unions that are that are pushing for higher wages and stuff, and and you got to assume the tax man want, wants to, might be able to get a little bit more of that. And then after the unions went all the, through all the trouble of getting raises, they'll realize that. You know, they they really didn't get that much of a raise. Uh, well, that's exactly right. That's a uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I, that, that that's uh, and and that's another. You know, I, I there there's like all these different macroeconomic factors that that have me a little concerned. And a second bout of inflation uh, associated with 
all these unions that are getting, uh, you know, th- that are getting hikes. I, 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 I worry about that one. Uh, well, they're not. So those, you know, it's just it, it, again, if I were, you know, if I were the, an- you didn't ask me if I were the analyst that covered the U.S. government or U.S. debt, you know, what would I be doing? But I'd be taking a long, hard pause for for you know a handful of reasons, and uh, the student debt thing is one of them. Uh, the potential second round of inflation that'll send high interest rates higher. That's another one of them as well. Uh, there's just, there's all these storm clowns uh, coming after us for the fall of 2023. Uh, yeah, there really are. I, but you, you were mentioning the uh, the unions and what they've accomplished for people. Um, which is, I think these numbers can be actually fairly accurate. Um, I'm looking at the 20, 2023 tax table. For single single filers, all right. The other ones, the, the joint filers, too complicated for me. But they're using single filers here, guys like Greg, guys like me. Uh, so if, if you're a union and you're making forty four grand for the last seven years and haven't gotten a raise for six years, all of a sudden you've got this bulge of inflation coming your way. That's you know whatever. God knows what it's it's already here. If they yeah, negotiate, if it, they yeah. but I say if they negotiate like. Uh, some of the places did over that period of time. Some of them, people are getting thirty-two to forty percent raises. The pilots, I think, the uh, UPS workers, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So you're going to bump somebody from, let's say, forty-four thousand in two thousand and twenty or twenty-one. The last time when we got a raise, up to uh, so thirty-three percent of that's another up to sixty grand at the end of twenty twenty. It's a four-year deal, twenty twenty-six or seven, somewhere in there. Correct. So no. that, that's right, isn't it? By the end of, by the, you have your forty percent raise from the twenty twenty one level or twenty twenty two. By the end of twenty twenty six, it's a four year, it's one forty percent raise over four years, and you haven't had one in a year or two. I believe is what's happened. Yeah, Does that sound right. Uh, so okay, so I've gone from forty four to sixty. All right, now mind you, the inflation over that period of time is probably over a six year span. Is certainly more than 40 percent. I mean, I, I I could prove that to anybody. I think, but looky here, um, if you made forty four grand, forty four seven twenty five, you're at the top end of the twelve percent tax bracket. As soon as you go over forty four mm-hmm. seven on your way to sixty, you're now at twenty two percent. So for the next fifteen grand, which you're going to get this raise, you're paying twenty two percent of that to the federal government in addition to the Medicare and the payroll tax. To, the twelve percent or something you're already paying, so you're paying those guys really thirty four, even though it's you know it's supposed to be twenty two. The number is really mm-hmm. like thirty four because you've got your payroll taxes. Um, so you're you've had a, the the government is now into the the extra fifteen grand. They're into it for ten percent more than the stuff you were paying before. So they've even though you've gotten this raise, I'm going to say you're you're at least two and a half percent behind the ball, maybe. Maybe as much as three or four instead of being ahead of the ball in that six-year period. Am I, is my math anywhere near close? I think I think your math's uh, fairly accurate on that one. It's it you know it, it's basically and and yeah the, you 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 probably been accumulating a little bit of debt just to keep up with the inflation. Yeah, oh yeah. So so if anything, you're just hoping to maybe get a little bit you know you you, you go on strike and you you get the raise and you. 
probably paying paying down some debt, or if you've got to replace your car, suddenly you're you're any any raise that those guys are getting is being overwhelmed by life. Right. How's that? Uh, we shouldn't. Go, you know, we, we, we shouldn't we we should say we've got inflation and then we've got life and and the more accurate is life, which is you know exact if you and I think if a lot of people sat down at the uh, you know at the table where they pay the bills and everything and, and really did an analysis of where the money's been going and the satisfaction they get out of it, um, they've had a diminishing quality of life. Oh yeah, there's only there's only so much uh, yucks you can I get just, out of it by paying your home. Your uh, household insurance bill. There's only so many giggles you get out of that. Yeah, I mean, not very many giggles, or your tax payment. So I just I, I, so I, so even these guys. And then just one one other thing with respect to uh, all the union stuff, uh, they're not getting any tax tax revenues out of the twenty two thousand former employees of Yellow Trucking. No, and. You know the the company declared bankruptcy and turned right around and said, "This is on you, union." Um, how much money do those guys just get from the government to pay all those guys? I have no idea. Uh, to try to try to stay afloat. Well, I mean, uh, you know what? Um, I bet, I'll bet it's in an article. Greg, Google uh, a government grants the yellow the yellow freight. And I'll bet it pops right back oh, right yeah. up because I, I actually heard a number the other day, but I not enough to where I can repeat it because uh, they. They got a bunch of PPP money, and they got some other some other grants for. Uh, I think they got some infrastructure grants. I'm not positive, but it's it's a it's a number. But what now? Who? I used to be in that. Well, briefly for a year or two. The federal government lent seven hundred million during the height of the pandemic in twenty twenty. Doesn't say how much they got PPP. Well, it says the federal government lent seven hundred million. Okay, so that was PPP. All right, fair enough. Mm. Well, and it was discharged, I assume. Uh, I'm looking. There's a Wall Street Wall Street Journal article, and it said, "Let's see. Oh, it's behind a paywall. Hold on. Right, well, Stand by. Right when you find it. The but I it's uh <coughs> I was I used to work for a trucking company that went under after after the uh, you know this is talk about a weird old piece of advice that I gave somebody that they didn't take. Uh, my my brother's father-in-law. Uh, was a big shot at this. He was, you know, it's a terrific guy. The big shot at this place called Illinois California Express, ICX. So uh, he gets Dan a job there, uh, working on the docks. And then all of a sudden, I, when my stuff ended for the for the uh, summer for the Chicago Public Schools, he got me a job there. And uh, I was working uh, the six to twelve shift, like that six to two shift, because you worked eight hours. And uh, then and I would I would work on Saturday. So I was doing. Then when I went back to school, I was working weekends. So you get all of this. But also, I'm working Friday night from six to two. Then they always had overtime on Saturday, so I come back from eight to four on Saturday. So it was, should we say, a quick turnaround in the in the sack at home, right? But uh, I was getting double time on Saturday. I mean, it was like it was like a two hundred and something mm-hmm. hour weekend in 1976, for God's sake. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, that was a that was a lot of dough. I mean, that's you know, it was, it was equivalent of five hours an hour for forty hour a week, and I only worked sixteen. You know. You know, anyway, mm-hmm. so those guys, they were, this is right when the, when you had to, when you had to have paper to go from state to state. Because those guys had paper, operational paper, that they would able, they could go from Chicago to Denver, Chicago to Phoenix, and then uh, Chicago to L.A., or Denver to Phoenix, or Denver to L.A. You couldn't stop in Iowa or Nebraska, because you didn't have paper for those two states, right? 
So they decided they were they were thinking of going east, and they were going to buy this company that owned all the paper in the east, but they weren't doing very well. Matter of fact, I think they might have been bankrupt, and they were going to pay millions of dollars back then for the operating rights for like Ohio, Indiana, and Pennsylvania or something. And uh, he says to me, Tom, what do you think of that? Because now I'm going to grad school with New York, Chicago. I'm supposed to know something, right? I said, mm-hmm. I go, Lou, don't do it. He goes, what do you mean? I go, all these professors, all they're talking about is how giddy they are that there's laws coming through and they're going to deregulate uh, trucking companies and, and uh, airlines. And these guys think it has legs. And he goes, ah, it'll never happen. You know, blah, blah, blah. They'll never do that. And I said, trust me. I mean, these guys, they're not idiots. <laughs> I mean, they, no. they, they think this has legs. And sure enough, the thing passes like a couple of months after I, ICX pays I don't know how many million dollars for this paper that is now absolutely worthless because they could just go on there on their own. And uh, it, it took- this says the fate of the loan is not yet clear. The federal government assumed a 30% equity stake in Yellow in exchange for the loan. Um, outstanding debt total was 1.5 billion, including 730 million that it owed to the federal government. Yellow paid approximately sixty-six million in interest on the loan, well, but has repaid just two hundred and thirty million of principal owed, um, which comes due next year. Well, all the, all the trucks got to be on equipment leases. I mean, there's no way they paid cash for those. Mm-hmm. So those probably going back to the people who they're probably essentially getting foreclosed on. Yeah. But anyway, those places. I mean, they. I mean, I, they have so many. They have a. They had a huge dock out in uh, Harlem Avenue, like around a hundred and Street. Probably, probably is a hundred bay door uh, dock. I mean, who, who's going to pick up the slack there? How many, how many less than truckload com- carriers are there around anymore? You know, ICX was in one less, less than yeah, less than truckload. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what that means. It means that um, you can always find somebody if you have. I mean, we could do this if somebody has a full trailer and says, "Hey, you want to haul it to Seattle?" I mean, a lot of people show up with their their tractor unit and head the thing off. But what what these guys would do. Is a, as a truckload would come in, and I would get a truck at night. There would be my truck, okay, with a huge stack of paper. And I would have to go through the truck and say, okay, this is uh, whatever the hell it was going to uh, Series Cafe. You know, it could be God knows what. It could be chairs. I'd have to look, take the chairs and make them, take them from that truck and move them to the, the city truck that was going downtown. So you had a bay that you brought the stuff off the, off the road truck into the city truck. Then eight hours later, all the city trucks would come in, and you'd stack those onto the truck that was heading to Denver or, or LA or someplace. So I mean, there was a choreography to it because they would do mm-hmm. less. It was all less than truckload stuff, which means it's got to be handled a couple times. So there, but there were shipping rates on everything and so forth. And uh, so, so that's that's a business that you have to have truck docks. You have to have people, uh, even if you've got conveyors and stuff. You still need to do all that. And I'm just wondering. They were they were so big. I wonder who's gonna. If if you've been using them for ten years, I mean, who do you call tomorrow that has the same routes and the same? I mean, sure, somebody will fill the void, but yeah. uh, I'll bet it causes a little bit of a problem at least for a while. Uh, SP futures up eight fifteen, Nasdaq futures up twenty four. Come back, we we'll talk more about the market with Russell and uh, is is there a next on these downgrades? We'll be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Hear ye, hear ye. The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim out. We've got Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 9, NASDAQ Futures up 29, Dow Futures up uh, 28 over in Asia. We've got the Nikkei uh, down 172.5%. Uh, China stocks fall as consumer prices drop for the first time in more than two years. They're worried about deflation over there. Hang Seng, China's kind of in a world of hurt. We're going to get Russell's comment on that, too. Hang Seng up 61, so they're not down. 0.3%, but still 19,246. They were over 20,000 a little while ago. Come right back down again. Shanghai down 15.5%. So they're down, but not that much. We're in Europe. These guys are picking up on the rally that we had yesterday afternoon. DAX up 135.9%. FTSE up 53.7%. Kakaron up 71. That's a full 1%. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was down 158. It was down well into the 300s earlier in the day. S&P down 19. I'm going to say they were down 50 at one point. NASDAQ down 110. I think they were down over 200. So it was a pretty good uh, rally. Uh, most of the effort was pretty steady to get a lot of that uh, track, those numbers back. 10-year unchanged now, 402. Bund down up two basis points, 246. Japan down four basis points, 0.57. We've got oil up 74 cents, 83.66, which is really a almost a four-hour rally in the last few days. Uh, Brent up 68 cents, 86.85. Natural gas up 14 cents. That's a big move. 291 is an inch toward three bucks. Uh, that'll be that'll be a high for like the year, I would think. Arbob up two cents to 287. We've got gold down 240. It's not going up. 18, 1957. Silver down six cents, 22.74. Copper up a penny, 3.78. We've got Bitcoin up 57 bucks, 29,944. So it's made back a lot of the sell-off they had last week. We have the U.S. dollar virtually, which it's up just a hair against the uh, euro. Euro is 109. It's down a little bit against the British pound, 127. So say nothing, nothing on the dollar front. What do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 7:35 right now. Partly cloudy in Chicago. Feels like 69. High of 80 today. It's sunny in Phoenix. Feels like 89 right now. Probably a high of 106 today. Um, Kennedy to Montrose, 27 minutes. 
or no, Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 27 minutes, excuse me. Lake Cook to the interchange on the Edens is 47 minutes. Ike Wolf to the interchange, 33 minutes. Dan Ryan, the locals, 95th to the interchange, 20 minutes. Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 28 minutes. And the Bishop Ford, I-80 to the interchange, 32 minutes. Sports, we got Cubs, um, Cubs beating the who? Dumbats. Dumbats. The hated Mets. Yeah. At, uh, that was 3-2 to two at City Field. White Sox lose to the Yankees 1-7 to seven on the south side, and Diamondbacks lost to the Dodgers 4-5 to five at home. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, so, Russell, let's talk about the market here for a hair. And you were have been, uh, whenever I let you talk, you've been talking about the the head headwinds that you have pegged for essentially this fall. You know, sort of like another... Yeah. Act, you didn't say October of 87, but sometimes it seems like headwinds seem to land in August, September, October, right? I mean, those are the months that yeah. the market is the most vulnerable calendar-wise. doesn't mean that they are this month or next month. Um, my question to you is, by the way, I, I, I would never disagree with any of those observations because I know they come from study and they come from the heart. Now, my question is, I read an article, which of course I can't find, uh, about a guy, a guy, writes this article and he goes, if we go into this big recession... Don't think for a second that the market is going down. It's going up. He said the people who have a brain cell working, and I'd put you in that class and maybe even me, uh, look at what just happened in recent history, like in the last three years. There's never been a bigger recession, except for maybe 29 or 30 when the banks went under, than COVID and the Fed poured so much money in that the market went straight up. That no, no matter what, and my brother was talking about it yesterday, he goes, if we get a couple of more of these downgrades, and we had the one guy from the Philly Fed or some some new guy, I don't remember who the hell he was. The day after one, but somebody said we're going to have a couple more rate rate hikes in the mix. Came out yesterday and said we're going to stop rate hikes. My brother goes, you can't, you got to be careful. Or even though it looks like you you want to be short here with the with the with you know the prices of the stocks, the P ratios, the price to revenue ratios, all that stuff, and all this bad basically bad crip happening. Be careful because if these dudes come out tomorrow and say, man, we messed up. We're coming out next week, and we're lowering the rates half a percent. The market will go straight up, and 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 the, and the Fed has a history of doing that. And you can't fight them, even if the even if the economy goes down the tubes like it did in the Weimar, Weimar Republic. The, the market is going to be saved by these guys. How do you how do you how do you go again that again that? Well, I go again that by saying that. Um, if all those things do start to come to fruition and the Fed's got to step in, they're not going to step in until the stock market gets hit first. Because they, do, they don't really want to. I, I agree that they're going to... We're not... Okay, no, we got to redefine this. I'm not talking about three down days like last week. No, they're, they're, no. They're, they're not going to go... They're not going to let it retrace... The forty percent, it's up, which maybe it should. No, maybe it not should. Not that either, but maybe, but maybe ten to twenty percent. But I mean, you look at. I mean, I'm not making investment strategy here. I'm saying, if you look at the mm-hmm. at the prices of these stocks that are thirty five times earnings, these are mature companies, and you do the math and say, what if they went back to historical like twenty two levels? You know, we're talking about a third of a cut in all these prices, mm-hmm. which maybe in in some of these stocks. Somebody might say, "Wow, how did it get here in the first place?" Type of thing. Um, you know, I'm not yeah. saying which ones or anything. I don't think the Fed is going to let that happen. Their new job is to keep the market up. 
And I'm not talking about a 5% move during a week or something they consider the guys on CNBC saying, oh, it's down to 3 or 4% that we thought was healthy, a little frosty, now it's a buy. They're not going to get it, my opinion, and a lot of mm-hmm. people's opinions, and, it, and I'm actually not even sure it's my opinion, but this article's opinion, my brother's opinion is they're not going to let it go any further than that. You're going to see this emergency cut or something, and the money will hit the system again. I, I just don't think they're going to do that unless unless you know the equity market shows that there's actual true true concern out there. I just I, I I don't expect the Fed to rescue the economy unless the asset holders are getting hit. Yeah, well. So okay, so, what number? Yeah. How so, far down do we got to be before they save it? Five percent? They're not going to get a low thirty. Thirty might be where ought to go. Maybe I um twenty ish. You think I'll let it go twenty without a peep? <clears throat> after after going up as much as well, and I gotta think about the S and P five hundred for a second. Um, Didn't it go yeah, down? I, I, I was ki- I was kind of yeah. thinking Nasdaq. Sorry, yeah. uh, you know maybe maybe ten fifteen percent on the S and P. Okay, uh, off off this year's highs. I uh, I'm not gonna I do, I, I'm way more guilty of this I, than you are, Russell. But I mm-hmm. think what uh, you you and I and a lot of people. Mentally, is is lose jamness into my brain because I was listening to a, a new representative. I don't know if he's Republican or Democrat talking about reengaging with China and now that they're doing so badly over there. Now is the time for us to talk to them about helping their economy. And I and all when, when I say that now, I like shiver because the way you know uh, Lou is, is why 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 should we help their economy? Well, but I, I understand that. But he's saying how it's good for both. <laughs> but the point is, is Lou? No, it's not. But Lou said. Don't ever think for a second that the, the, the logical thing to do is going to be the thing these people do. I mean, you know, Putin and these guys, he goes, you, you cannot put your brain and say, this makes absolutely no sense. All these people dying and all this money being spent and, and screwing up trade in the area. You, you can't... Now, I guess my question is, I'm not accusing you, I'm asking you to judge yourself. Are you thinking what the Fed ought to do and that's what you think they're, they're going to do because that's what they're, they ought to do? I'm, I'm trying to stop thinking that way because it's, it's, hurt, it's hurt me every single time I have, to be honest with you. No, I, I'm not thinking what they ought to do. In fact, I think your brother is thinking what they ought to do. Um, like maybe try to catch it before, well, he before things they, get really, he really they, bad. He thinks they, that's what they will do. That's, that's yeah. Somewhere along the line, we're no, going to he, he, he thinks they'll do something. Yeah. And I don't think that's what they ought to do. I think that's what, you know, I... I, I if they if if they have the foresight that they, that that we're going to have you know some real financial market problems because uh, macro things just are, you know macro factors just aren't going the way that they hope and China's going in the dumpster dumper etc. I mean maybe they should you know signal that they'd be willing to help the economy and cut a quarter point or, or so to instill some confidence. Um, I don't think they will until. You know, it's it's a lot more apparent to everybody through you know asset prices coming coming in, and I don't, and part of me almost thinks it's going to at this point they've kind of backed themselves into a corner where you know nobody's expecting a cut until maybe twenty twenty four that they that they ju- they they just can't flip. You know they got to maintain confidence, and I really do think Powell is big into making sure everybody maintains confidence in the Fed. Um, and changing on a dime, uh, 
when it's not apparent that they should be changing a dime to everyone, that's not something they do. They they don't surprise the market. Uh, everybody uh, hopes for a surprise. Everybody hopes he's going to say something nobody expects. He just keeps doing what they have signaled they're going to do. And you know, it, I, I I I I'm polite when I get the question from undergrads. Do you think the Fed will you know surprise everybody, or are they going to do what everybody expects? This Fed does not surprise people. Um, I'm gonna. It's it's so much fun to argue with you because uh, you think the exact same way I think in a mm-hmm. lot of, in a lot of this stuff. So when I when I criticize you, I'm really criticizing myself without having to do this, it. This is this is like Don Draper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, saying saying that that I've forgotten the girl's name. Whoever that Elizabeth person yeah. played. That you're an extension of myself. I'm an extension of you, Chief. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know I'm just because we're both looking at the same stuff, and I think yeah. we're, we're monetarists at heart. I'm going I'm to think back one year, and I'm going to say that out of all the, all of us, you got the you know a good memory here, but you're you're forgetting just a little piece here. You're, mm-hmm. you're forgetting 2023, which isn't very far ago. We're talking about some guys that went from where do they where do they top out here? Uh, well, I'll find the top number here. Tippy 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 top. Uh, eight point nine six five, eight point somewhere in there, on the uh, balance sheet. All right, so it took them, mm-hmm. it took them from August third, twenty two, to uh, March eighth, twenty three, to go from eight six five to eight three four. So it took them, you know, basically a friggin' year to go down uh, uh-huh. uh, half a half a billion uh, half a tr- five hundred billion dollars, say. All right, and the, with the Silicon Valley thing, where they thought they had a problem, in two weeks, they erased three quarters of that to save yeah. the market and God knows what else. And now, but and that and and that was a very public issue that had a lot of people concerned about. You know, is this a big systemic risk? And it was very public. Okay, um, what, I'm, what I'm saying that, is, in the, in the last seven months. They've mm-hmm. given us, you and I, who think that maybe they shouldn't be doing that, an example of just just how they're going to act if anything mm-hmm. comes up. Now, you and I both think that they shouldn't be doing stuff that way, but let's let's not extend it into the part where they're not going to because it sure looks like they are going to. I mean, or, or might do it. Is what I'm saying. Well, your bro- yeah, your brother, you were saying that you you mentioned rate cut. Well, rate cuts the same thing as it, pouring money in the system. Right. Well, not exactly, because rate cuts are very public. There's a press conference about it, et cetera. Pouring money in the system, uh, it takes people that are paying closer attention than pretty much everybody in the press conference Well, if they, uh, to yeah. what's going on in the market. Yeah. Well, I, I'm saying yeah. is, is that they, they've, they've sort of tried to separate that into the vernacular, but you and I know there is no separation. If you're gonna, if you're going to maintain money in the system to a four percent rate, and all of a sudden you want to maintain money in the system to a five percent rate, what do you have to do? You got to take money out of the system, right? Exactly. And what exactly. I'm saying is, it, at the drop of a hat, so, they're willing to pour bushels back in. It appears. Yeah. So they may do that, but I don't think they'll do anything that that I don't think they'll do anything that would cause another really big bullish leg in the in the S&P 500 um, unless the S&P 500 already given up an awful lot 
and that's the part that hasn't happened yet. There, there. This Fed, is, you know, there's the ought to do and what they will do. And when I think about what they will do, um, this Fed is too reactive to what goes on in the S and P 500. Well, I, I say I, I'm uh, what I'm trying to do that, here that is shouldn't, that shouldn't be their focus. So because I, you know, because I think they're too sensitive to it. If they see a lot of problems everywhere in other areas, they see a lot of cracks. Yeah. And but it's not showing up in the stock market. I don't think they're going to do anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, if you haven't figured out, which I know you have, I, I disagreed with this guy's article. Maybe because I think it's not what they ought to do. I was just hoping that you would you would say the same thing, and you have. Yeah, I just I I what they I. You know what? If they they haven't really done exactly what they ought to do all the time, until you know things are showing up publicly. It's almost. I'm not saying that they're being overly reactive to the financial markets. Uh, it's just more of using the financial markets to get an idea of you know the 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 psychology that everybody has right now and how will their actions be taken well i don't i don't see any or or, or what are the expectations around their actions well they they they've been he's you know he's an interesting guy paul and i'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad guy <laughs> and I, and and i actually what's what's really funny is i i i feel like he gets you know catches a lot of crap i th- i think he's kind of like you know mike pence he's boring as hell but he's going to do exactly what he said. You know, he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. I, uh, you know, it's and and maybe, you know, uh, maybe all the all the big Fed watchers miss being you know twisted around and screwed with by much smarter people. I I, I would like to see some sort of a uh, now nobody and nobody's going to do this. And if you and I were in there, we probably wouldn't do it either. But the the difference between and I and I, did, I would not. I would go back and be very critical of Volcker in a lot of ways. But what one thing that I liked about the guy is he basically told Congress and the president once he was in there, and, with, and he was in there with that ability. Char- Carter put him in there with that ability. Uh, yeah. It was to say, I mean, this guy has yet to come out to the Congress and to the president and say, guys, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can, you can pass another spending bill for $10 trillion. I'm not helping you. You either borrow it or raise taxes to pay for it. I'm not printing money for it. He's he's not once said that. And in fact, every time they want to do it when they want money, he gives it to them. Which yeah. which to me is not exactly the uh, the, the the stamp of it, of uh, independence. Which you know how how can you be independent in Washington for God's sake? I'm not saying. Oh, it's got to be impossible. Got to be impossible. But he yeah, the, the the Fed's supposed to do two things. And he kept saying this in the last press conference. Uh, whenever he'd get a question that had anything to do with employment or growth, you know, he would just steer back and say, you know, we are charged with this. And I felt like that was a pretty good indication that they weren't going to go you know, the extra mile for things that didn't impact employment or inflation. But, but they already have to such a huge degree that you have to wonder what's the fix. I mean, if, if he'd have been... You know, four or five percent money supply growth, and now he's at three, and saying, "Okay, we're going to even this out over the next couple of years." I don't. I, there's no. There's no question there. I don't think Russell. But my mm-hmm. my question is, what you have done that you refuse to admit is you've put this thirty to forty percent bubble in here that is gagging ninety percent of your population. What are you going to mm-hmm. do about it? 
It's not. It's not about getting next year's inflation down to two and then two and two because all you're doing is putting six on top of this huge number nobody can deal with. You refuse to address what I consider to be the problem. And you know, I don't know. I don't. If I'm in his, if in his, if in his spot, I don't know what I'd do about it. And I don't know if you will either. But the point being is, you got to at least admit, God, the guy's got a freaking broken leg. <laughs> what What are we going to do with it? I mean, but it, you you think there's problems they're not admitting? I think that they, by I think they're abs- They don't. I don't think they realize what they've done's effect on the on on, on every man in the American way. That the forty percent rise or thirty five percent in car ownership means that virtually nobody we know Russell is ever going to own a new car. I mean, I don't. I don't think no. they have any idea that that's what they've done. I'm not. I'm yeah. not sure. There. I'm not, not sure there's a fix. But they don't even know okay. what they did. Since, since we do have a, you know, a few minutes, uh, and, and I don't have an answer to this one, but we're going to talk it through. Uh, what do you think would happen? I, I used to do this thing when I covered retailing stocks where uh, we'd get on a bus and, and we'd go, you know, all these Wall Street people would go to the mall and, you know, see what was going on on the ground in the retailing sector. What do you think would happen if they took all the Fed governors and put them in a bus and drove them up and down Indiana, and they saw what you know, and they saw what America was really like right now? Uh, I think they'd be horrified. And went out and actually talked to average people. I think they'd find in most retailers that the prices mm-hmm. are up thirty percent. Well, not 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 just retail. Yeah. I mean, just like if they went out in the middle of nowhere. And, and instead of you know, instead of analyzing everything from their offices, they actually got out in the field. And talk to individuals about how, you know, what's their day to day life like? How are they spending money? How have things changed over the past few years? You know, just to get a handle on the the truly average American person. I think they'd be stunned. I I do too. But then once they're stunned, what would they do differently? Um, well, Carl's in the camp, and I'm not you know giving other people's answers instead of mine, but. He's in the camp that you got to drag you got to drag this back, or otherwise you're never you're never gonna you're never gonna re- re- put any kind of I won't even say equality, any kind of balance back. You've you've got to mm-hmm. you've got to drag ten percent or fifteen percent of this money supply out of here like right away. I, I you know I don't I don't know what problems that might cause more problems than you have. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'd be I'd be a little unwilling to do that. But I, this weekend, uh, um, well you live out there, but. Uh, we, Audrey and I went to, you know, we usually go out on Saturday night. So where we go, I'm very, oh, you know, you know, I am. I'm always talking to the owner if I can, find out how things are going. Yeah. And you see all the places that are trying to be still somewhat of a family place, trying to be somewhere where people can go two nights a week or something. They're doing everything they can. Even putting a 3.5% charge on credit cards is a way to where if you bring cash, you get a discount, that sort of thing. And yet yeah. She, she went with some of her friends, one of the ladies. It's a terrific group. Uh, they... We're celebrating one lady's birthday. I don't know if it was a big one or not. It was 65 or 60. They went to Drake Oakbrook. And it's, I don't know, oh, what is it, 85 yeah. bucks a pop for breakfast, basically. And she goes, yeah. the place is mobbed. They'd, they'd open up another room. They told them that they're booked up, you know, like, every Sunday to, like, fall. And it, there, is, there is a massive split between the two Americas right now. They're probably very yeah. close to what it was like in the 20s. I don't know if you can, if you can fix it. I mean, uh... Uh, but I, you got to get to the point where, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what you get to. I mean, I'd be very since the inflation is so uneven, 
if you tried to do a deflation spiral around the place, I'm not so sure that wouldn't screw up the same people you're trying to help. I mean, I don't know. You and I would have to spend a lot of time thinking that through, whether or if we went the other way, whether we'd, we'd screw up the same people we're trying to help even more. I mean, I don't know. I've never uh, seen anybody do that. I think, I think it, would, it, it, it would result in a lot of unemployment. I think it would, too. You know, and and at the level of the people that you really want to help and need the help. I think I think actually we do have a lot of unemployment right now. We're just not mm-hmm. they're not being counted in the as soon as Carl told me that as soon as you're not getting a check, you're not counted as unemployed, you're in that we don't know what they're doing column. Last yeah. week last week downtown I saw a group of ten, fifteen people. I don't know, don't think they were Lollapalooza. They were homeless, but they're God God bless Carl. They're they're in they're in good shape. They're twenty five years old. And it looks like that whole there's a whole pack of them that are kind of going from place to place, and I, they they look like they can work tomorrow morning. I mean, I, I don't I don't buy this unemployment at three and a half percent. That I mean, that nobody. Oh gosh, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't. So oh, I don't, oh I don't, gosh, no. I don't know. Well, how, well, you know, we should. I don't know how you would create it, but it'd be really nice to have an able-bodied unemployment indicator. Well, yeah, and how long be, you know, before that, you that actually counted the people that. Um, have given up on you know, the, the people that are so that have supposedly given up on finding a job don't count as unemployed. Yeah, because well, right now, yeah, they're now they're not. Yeah, but I think so. the definition is when you stop getting the check. I don't, I don't know why they, why they would think just because you stop getting your check, it would make you maybe want to look look harder if it was me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, well, they say that you've given up. Yeah, and I, but I, I don't know why there was even Which any correlation. Very unfortunate. There. Uh, that's just the way they've been. That, that that's the way they count it. By the way, you uh, so that's and and I think that's why the labor participation rate has become a much bigger. You know that people are paying attention to uh, the denominator part of the un- you know of how they calculate that three percent. Yeah, now you know. By the way, your story of not driving through Indiana and find out what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know who had thoughts exactly like that was a pretty famous American was President Roosevelt. Because he had Harry Hopkins mm-hmm. plunk uh, what was some news lady, a, a reporter, news lady, uh, in a car with a driver, and said, "Send her out, and I want to drive, have her drive all over the country and send me reports from every town she went through." And she did the original, uh, like horseshoe of despair. She went through West Virginia, the South, and it, in her in her mind, it was tied. Was, who's, who's in the worst shape, sharecroppers or, or coal miners? In terms of health and in terms of nutrition, and she was writing this stuff back, and and Hopkins and Roosevelt were absolutely appalled when they were reading these letters. But he he wanted to do it. He wanted to go. What's what's actually going on out there? How bad is it? And he was absolutely appalled when he was getting her reports back. And well, I, uh, I'm I don't think a whole lot of people in DC know what uh, I got. I give you a great. I I saw a a funny video where they were asking. Um, teenagers in in like Beverly Hills, what the average you know American makes salary was, and most of them were guessing a half a million dollars. Yeah, well, uh, Greg, you no, have... so and 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 I, I I think the DC people are like that. They think everybody you know everybody's got a you know a nice consistent income and it and they make a little bit more than they spend and all that. And that ain't that. And well, uh, Greg, you had the uh, sent sent me a thing. I don't, I don't know if you got it, Russell. Uh, to get you on, on Greg's stuff because he sends interesting stuff around. Was it the average farmer in the? I guess it was Illinois. You no, know, evidently I don't. What is an average farmer? I, I don't know if it's a mean or fifteen hundred acres. Fifteen hundred acres last year made what? 
150, 200 grand this year, you're going to make 60. Yeah, it was down to, down to 80. But down to 80. You know, that, that swings around. They had some good years, and now they're, yeah. you know, below, way Man, that, below. That, is, that is something I would never want to get involved in. It's a lot of work, boy. Farming is a lot of work. I mean, and, you know, God love the people that do. Yeah. But, and, and you know, I, I'm involved in the business of taking risk. Uh, that's a risk I just wouldn't want to try to take. And yeah, you know what? I would, I would be okay um, if, I, if, if I didn't have a family and a bunch of other people that depended on me bringing in money. If I was just doing it myself, that, that might be all right. But the added pressure of you know, trying to take care of other people and generating the funds to do so that way, that's some pretty scary stuff. Yeah, not, not being able to feed your family because it, it rained too much or didn't rain at all would be kind of tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Things that are really outside. I mean, we can't control everything, but that one's pretty bad. Yeah. Russell, thank you very much, buddy. Are you, are you, you, where, where are you? Are you, when are you starting school? Uh, we, we start, we actually start next week. I heard you guys talking about that. I, uh, I spent all day yesterday, uh, getting reoriented to, you know, we did an orientation and offsite, had a really good time with a bunch of other professors. It's really, um, I had a, I had a new professor with me. And she was like, I have never been around people that really are, are happy to be where they're working. And you, I think that's guys, one of the thing, I mean, great things there. about Kelly right there. Good, good, you know? good for you. Now, was, was, the bar, yeah. was the bar crowded? No, it was, there was no bar cart. Actually, we got in the car and drove back to Chicago when the bar cart came out. Really? So, yeah, that was, that was totally a uh, totally sober opinion. Jesus, well, that's, that's cool. Anyway, yeah. well, I'm wishing you good luck on the, on the next semester. We'll talk at you next week, bud. SP Heater's up 550 now only. SP Heater's up 16. So we're still up. We'll come back from where we were. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.